I picked up, have, you, have any of you read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis? It's a great book. <laughs> it's a difficult book, but it's a great book. And I'm like, I, I want to read this again, because it's a lot about uh, the real and the fake. And so I wanted to read just one part to you, because again, we're going to continue diving into acknowledging what is real, acknowledging what is counterfeit, and sometimes that can be very difficult, and acknowledging that the counterfeit is not from the Lord. Um, this is how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, a sum can't, can be put right, but only if you go back and find the error, working it afresh from that point of error, never simply by going on, right? Who else likes math? I love math. But if you make a mistake in a long algebra problem and you don't go back and find the problem, it's going to be wrong no matter what you do, right? <laughs> so he says, evil can be undone, but it cannot develop into good. Time does not heal it. So in other words, you have to go back and fix what the error was. So you have to go back and find that counterfeit and fix it. It says, if we insist on keeping hell or even earth, we shall not see heaven. If we accept heaven, we shall not be able to retain even the smallest and most intimate souvenir of hell. So that's what we're after. We're after getting rid of any little souvenir from hell, anything that's not of God. And it's going to take him to reveal it. I know even now he's starting to reveal stuff to me, and I'm like, oh, no, I just want to talk about it. I don't want you to work you know, on my stuff. <laughs> so get ready. Jason's going to talk to us about counterfeit living today. He's going to recap, though, first. <laughs> I guess I'm going to recap first now. <clears throat> Sorry. All right, so last week we talked about counterfeit um, and why it matters and so let's just take a few seconds to just review a couple things. Remember, you can't spot the counterfeit until you know what the real looks like, right? If we had a counterfeit $100 bill, if you didn't know what a real $100 bill looked like, someone could give you, like Jen was telling me yesterday, Monopoly money, and you'd be like, oh, okay, but you know what a real $100 bill looks like. So the counterfeit has to kind of look very similar to it. It can't be purple when we know it's green. Um, and the devil's smart. Too. He's not going to make it obvious that it's a counterfeit, right? It's going to look very similar. So it's going to take discernment and sometimes a lot of time with God to figure out what is a counterfeit and what is not. Um, we know that God is authentic and real. Therefore, everything that comes from God is authentic and real. So we went over <clears throat> different parts of the scripture and we saw that um, so whatever is good and perfect is of God. Um, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and all Scripture is good for you know, reproof and, and teaching. So those are our, our guidelines that we get to work with to figure out what is counterfeit and what is not. Um, and then what is not of God is typically the counterfeit. That's the stuff the world tells you about. And that all, stuff, all that stuff leads to like bitterness, envy, anger, uh, strife, stress, problems in your life. And why all this matters is Scripture tells us you can't serve two masters. Right? Um, like Jen said, too, even if you're serving one master and you have elements of another one in there, you're not truly serving that master. To really serve that master means to shut everything else off. Like, I'm not, you know, uh, just use, if I'm in the army, I'm not fighting for this, you know, against this enemy, but I'm like, oh, you know what, I'll help, I'll, I'll help him out over here, you know? But you usually don't. You, you fight the enemy head on and you don't help fight you. Uh, although that's what we do when we let counterfeits in, right? Um, 
like we've talked about, then you also try and make the real look counterfeit as well. So if he can't convince you that the counterfeit is real, work on trying to convince you that the real is the counterfeit, right? So it makes our job a little, a little harder. Um, if you are taking in counterfeit, you're gonna produce counterfeit, right? Goes in us, goes out of us. Um, and so you can't produce fruit for the kingdom if you are taking in um, or from a tree planted in the world. It's just not gonna happen, right? So that's where we left off kind of last week. And this week we're gonna kind of go over counterfeit living. You have to forgive me, I didn't have a lot of time for prep in this, it was a busy week, so I'm gonna have to use my notes a lot on this one. So, what does an authentic life look like? What's a real life, life look like? It's genuine, how's it genuine? It's got ups and downs. But if we're talking about counterfeit as the context, what would a genuine, authentic life look like? You can just shout out. What was that? You're not dead of life, right? You're not one foot planted here, one foot planted there. <clears throat> the, probably the easiest definition is it's free of counterfeits, right? So if we're free of counterfeits, we should be, by default, living a genuine and real authentic life. Um, the problem is it's hard to see the counterfeit when you're in the counterfeit, right? In uh, Isaiah 42, 20, he says, we are blind and deaf, basically. You know, we hear things, but we don't understand, right? So if we are living in the counterfeit, it's going to be hard for us to understand we're in the counterfeit. You know, there's that saying, you can't smell yourself, yeah. or you know, <laughs> how bad you smell. It's said a different way, I'm not going to say it here. <clears throat> you know, you... Um, and that's true with everything. It's hard to see. It's hard to see that the person you're after is not right for you. Everybody else sees it, but you don't see it, right? We've all been through that where everyone's like, you have friends or family like, I don't know if that person's right for you. Oh no, it's fine. They see all the red flags because we're in the counterfeit. You know, we're in the bubble. Like even in Danville here, we don't actually understand all the problems that are going on outside the world because we have our bubble. It's always a culture shock sometimes when you go to a different city and you see people going to the bathroom on the sidewalks, you know, and sleeping along all the streets because it's a different feeling. We live in a bubble. So that's, that's true with us, too, in our counterfeits. If we have a counterfeit in our life, it's going to be hard for us to see that counterfeit. Oftentimes we have to rely on somebody else. And I love what Pastor Rick said this last week. There are things today that the body of Christ submits to that I think are no different than ball worship. We are submitting ourselves to things, TV, certain programs, to certain ideas, certain ideologies that are not biblical, that are not scriptural, that does not please the Lord, and then we wonder why things are drying up and the church is shrinking in America. Well, maybe we are serving things we shouldn't be serving. <clears throat> but we often don't see that because we're in the middle of it, right? And the reason why we let counterfeits in a lot of times is because the real takes effort. Counterfeits use the easy way to go. Right? It's the thing that produces that instant happiness, that instant gratification. So we're like, oh, this must be good because I feel good about it. Right? And that's not always the case. And usually it's not at all. Because um, it's always easier to add than to subtract in our lives. Think about cooking. Right? You put too much salt in, you can't pull that salt back out. Yeah. Right? Apparently Aaron's done that before because <laughs> he's cracking up. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
right? So that's why we do things in moderation with it. It's the same with our lives. It's easier to take on something else, and maybe it's a counterfeit or another counterfeit, than to remove it because it means we actually have to even step back from something. Subtraction means we have to get rid of something that we may not like, but it may not be, you know, it's not good for us as well. Social media apps, hobbies, TV, and sometimes even friends. It amazes me to hear sometimes people that have issues with other people on social media, and they argue back and forth. Unfriend them. It's like, it's not that hard, but we feel like if I do that, then... You know, I'm missing out on something. Yeah, you're missing out on arguing with somebody. That drives you crazy. Like, I don't get it. So we need, we need to start taking those things that the enemy tells us, oh, you can't do that. Well, why can't I unfriend somebody? Or unfollow them. That's fine. You want to stay friends with them? Unfollow them so you don't see anything. Like, Facebook makes it easy. But because it's easier to stay still than it is to get moving, right? Like, take a car. You have to push a car. The hardest part is the initial part to get it moving. I've had to do that. I've had to, I had a friend at uh, <clears throat> college one time. I was walking through the parking lot, and her VW Bug wouldn't start. And it's a clutch. So if you know anything about cars, you get it moving, you can pop the clutch, and it'll start the engine. She just had a dead battery. Right? So the initial hard part was getting it going. So I'm pushing it down literally an aisle yeah. of the thing. Instead of hitting the, popping the clutch, she hit the brake. Oh. Yeah, so that was not fun. So I got started, and then I slammed right into it because she hit the brake instead of popping it. And then I had to do it again. I told her I was only doing it this last time she didn't pop the clutch. I wasn't pushing her car again down the other side of the aisle. Um, But it is, it's easier for us to stay still than to make change. That's why you see people consistently in the same problems they have year over year over year because they really aren't doing anything to make that change. They're really not trying to subtract something out of their lives. Like, oh, I'll just do this instead. I'm not happy with my life, so let, with my, my family or my wife, so let's have a kid, because that's going to fix things. Uh, and then that doesn't work, so let, let's just start going on vacations all the time, because that fixes things too. And you don't, the root of the problem is you have a problem with your wife, with your spouse, with your husband, and you're not taking care of that. So you're trying to add something else to fix the problem instead of, hey, what is it here that's causing us the problem? Is it a lack of communication? Is it, you know, usually that's what it is. But it could be a hundred things. And maybe something inside you that you need to address, but you're not willing to address it, right? So why do we live with counterfeits? What's the biggest reason why we live with counterfeits? It's comfortable, yeah, it's comfortable. It's convenient. Makes you feel good. Yeah. What was that? Temporary relief, yeah. Um, I would say the biggest fear, yeah, but I've seen. You're fine. No, you're fine. One of the biggest reasons we allow counterfeits in our lives is because we're either afraid, we have fear, or we don't want to be vulnerable, which is another fear, right? Fear of being vulnerable. So usually fear is the biggest thing, but it could be fear, it could be pride. Uh, I'm not like that, I don't know what you're talking about. It could be lust, and you just don't want to admit it, right? So we live with those things because they, the fruit that is being produced by them is what sucks us in, right? Fear, pride, lust, all those are fruit of those same things that we're allowing in. We just can't deal with them once we allow the counterfeiting, so we just continue to let them stay because we keep eating fruit from the tree of the counterfeit. So <clears throat> since God is real and 
what is from him is real, and real life is founded on biblical principles, right? So we have to stop letting counterfeits creep into our lives. We'll address all the counterfeits later and then like how to remove them. Um, we'll get into that right now. But we gotta stop letting them creep into our lives now. So we all probably have some sort of counterfeits in our lives, it's just human nature, right? Their goal is to minimize them as much as possible and hopefully at some point we get to that. But even, you know, even people who have been pastors for years have counterfeits in their lives because they're sometimes told that, or they think that, oh, I'm not good enough for this. Or my message wasn't good. Well, it's not your message, it was God's message that he put through you, right? So it, inevitably, too, every time I've heard it from anybody, I've also heard from somebody who sat in and said, oh, I need to hear that today, which is funny. So, you know, we could have 20 people here, and that's great. If, if it helps two people, awesome. If it's one person, awesome. You know, we talked about <clears throat> this sanctuary when people were complaining about how much it cost to build the sanctuary or uh, the auditorium, and that money could have went to something better. But we all agreed, too, if, if this auditorium brings one person that would have committed suicide and it saves them, a million dollars is worth it. Yeah. We would trade that all year, every day, right? Yeah. We would do that. We don't look at that thing. We don't look at it that way because the counterfeits are speaking into us a little differently, right? So if you look at the parable of the sower, and this is something Jen brought up, uh, which I really never looked at it like this, Matthew 13, 1 through 23, seeds two and three die because they're based, they base their foundations on counterfeits, right? Seed two doesn't root into the identity. They spring up super fast. They're like wildfire, and they burn themselves up because they didn't, deep, they didn't root in first. They figured, I got the word, I know what I'm doing, and then they go 100 miles an hour, but they have no roots because we don't always know. I still know what I'm doing. I still have to get into the Bible every day and plant deeper roots and deeper roots because as you know, the enemies, enemy doesn't go, oh, they got little roots. No, they're just gonna tug harder. You grow deeper roots, they're gonna tug harder. It's gonna find different things to, to, to try and pull you out, right? And so for that, for C2, their belief or their counterfeit was they heard the word and they understood it all. So they went out there and just went on fire but didn't have actually any roots so that when the heat came, when problems arose, they actually weren't founded on biblical principles. They were founded on their own belief that they had everything, right? Their own confidence, their own righteousness. That's what the Pharisees kind of did. C3 grows up in the world and tries to live a life in Christ among the weeds in the thorns and gets choked out eventually because at some point when you're surrounded by the world from with people of the world constantly you're not going to speak out in your belief system and pretty soon they will right and eventually you're going to be choked out and your faith is going to be choked out it's going to be questioned because you're not solid on your foundation as well so you let a counterfeit in in your community and that oh, i thought you were i'm sorry <laughs> um and so that's why C3 dies. And I never really looked at that until she wrote that in, um, which I thought was really cool. Right? I love looking at parables. Um, they say there's only one meaning you know, out of a parable, but there's many applications for it. Which is, and so this is one of them. So why does any of this matter? Because if you have sin in your life, you have counterfeits. And if you have counterfeits in your life, conversely, you're going to have sin. They go hand in hand, right? With it. So... We have to be on the lookout, and we have to battle against those, and we have to attack those and take them on head on. And we have to be vulnerable enough and strong enough to be open enough to deal with them as well, right? 
Because you may not be aware of it, but if you have a counterfeit in your life, you may not be aware that it's there, but you are being controlled by it. You just don't know it. Like there are people, there's that famous story of, uh, I forget what the name of it is, but the husband, what they called gas lamp, his wife. And every day he turned the gas lamp down just a little bit. So just imperceptible to the point where it was almost off. And he kept telling her, no, it's the same. It's, it's just as bright as it was. And she eventually believed it, even though it was almost off. It's completely dim, right? So you may not be aware because the enemy is speaking. No, it's, this, is, this is normal. This is good, right? And at the same time, your life for Christ is dimming more and more. He's telling you, no, you're still where you're at. You go to church. You're fine. Right? <clears throat> Timothy Keller said in a podcast I just listened to, he said, you complain about the sin in your life, but when you examine your complaints, they are so full of self-righteousness, pride, and impatience that they are little better than the worst evils you complain of. Right? I, had to, I had to listen to that a few times to really to get that. But what he's saying basically is the seeds of counterfeit turn into the fruits of the sin, right? With it. And we're complaining about the actual sin itself, but we keep eating the fruit constantly. And what's worse? They're, they're, there's not, they're both, you know, they're, one is not better than the other or worse than the other. They're both equally bad. If you're planting seeds or if you're eating fruit of the sin, it's still sin, right? So when you start living a life with counterfeits, there are consequences, and we see this all over. And these are the things we'll get into more once we start actually diving into um, the different counterfeits. But you have addiction, right, as a consequence. Pornography, drugs, alcohol, exercise is an addiction now um, because people, it's a vanity addiction, and there, a lot of them are going so far and, and where it's controlling their lives. I gotta work out six, you know, three hours a day, and I gotta do this, I gotta look this specific way. Diet the same way. You ever, you don't think diet is an addiction? Put a paleo person and a vegan in a you know, room and say, which one's better? And they will fight to the death almost with their belief system on that, right? Um, cosmetic enhancements, Botox. You know, you're not looking enough, you need to get Botox, you need this. All these are addictions. Divorce is a, um, is a consequence of counterfeit relationship, right? Depression, suicide, pride, greed, envy, entitlement, all of these are consequences of allowing counterfeits into our lives. And if you experience any of those, you've had a counterfeit or you do have a counterfeit in there, right? So it's something that we need to just to look into and be aware of. <clears throat> I think it was that same podcast that I was listening to. Um, and though, although we're not talking about identity right now, I just have to give you a little context on it. He was talking about identity, and, and for him, it's like your, what your main identity is what warms your heart, where you go to um, when you're cold inside, right? So if, it is, if your job is your identity, you, are, um, you will mainly be shaken by your lack of professional um, movement or, excel, or excellence in your profession, right? So if you're rooted in your, what you do, if you are not advancing the way you want to, that's when you, you start to crumble even more, right? So he goes on to say, and I modified this a little bit. He says, when you get stressed, when you get angry or depressed, just ask yourself one thing. What am I warming myself at? The reason you're getting sad, angry, depressed is because the fire you are warming yourself out at is going out. It's a counterfeit, and most importantly, it's probably not Jesus, right? So if addiction, 
depression, pride, greed, envy, entitlement, bitterness, broken relationships, lack of loyal friends, uh, lack of confidence, lack of self-control keep popping up in your life, then you probably should spend some time with God, ask him to reveal those counterfeits to you in your life that you have that you may not be seeing because you're in them. And most importantly, ask him to reveal to you what lie you were told to believe in the first place. Because we have to get to that root. Otherwise, you'll, fi- you'll fall for that same lie just wrapped up in a different gift for you, right? So, Jen's going to come up, finish off for us. I love what you said about if your roots are growing deeper, the devil's just going to pull harder. That's what I got and it was going to stick with me. Um, but I just wanted to come back to the parable of the sower. I wanted to read it to you, and then I want to read right after what Jesus talked about. Because sometimes it's important not just looking at what happened before, but what happened after in the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. So this is Jesus talking to the crowd. He says, a farmer went out to sow the seed. As he, scat- as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil. This is what we're aiming for. We're trying to get the soil of our heart to be in a good place to receive, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And I love what Jesus says after, because the disciples go, why do you talk to everybody in parables? Like, well, it's just confusing. Just say what you want to say. I felt like that's what they're telling him. Just say it the normal. You know? And he's saying, and this is what his answer was, and I love it. He says this, though seeing they do not hear, though hearing they do not hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. And this is, this is to me, the, the heart of counterfeit. Like, And what what I feel like God's asking us to do is really look into ourselves. And we have the choice of doing what the first part of what I'm about to read, or we have the choice of doing the, the opposite. But this is what he said. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this person's heart has become calloused. When we're in the world and we're in that same environment, it becomes calloused. They are hardly here with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Their choice, they've shut their eyes. God didn't shut them. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want God to heal every aspect. I want to be someone that has good soil that's bearing a crop a hundredfold. And so I want to pray for us before we go into our small groups, um, because as we dive into the questions in small groups, that's where God's going to help use us to reveal some of those things so that we can be this person. So Father God, I ask that we might see with our eyes, that we would hear with our ears, that we would understand with our hearts, and that we would turn from the things of the world so that you would heal us, Lord. Be with us in our small groups. Help us to be vulnerable, Lord. We know that that is something that can conquer over the counterfeit, Lord God. So help us to be vulnerable and real with our friends here, that we would be vulnerable and real with you, Lord God, that we, when you begin to poke at, prod, or uproot something that is not of you, that we wouldn't turn our backs on it, that we wouldn't shut our eyes, but we would keep our eyes wide open so that we can see what you want to do. We would be able to see your handiwork. 
We thank you, Lord. We praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're going to go out into...